Hey, hello, welcome to the live stream. Welcome on to Rise on Fire. I'm excited to be here with you tonight because we're going to be talking about something that is so important and that is how to have a great marriage. How do we love more like Yeshua, our spouses? You know, Yeshua talked a lot about loving our enemies and that's that's quite a, a difficult thing. But then he also even spoke further on marriage and he said marriage is supposed to become this thing that is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. And so we ought to love our wives, men. That means we need to love them in a way that Christ loved the church. And that's like that's even like that's just as you know, it's just like, wow, of course, our wives are worthy of our love, but it doesn't mean that it's always easy, right? Marriage is something that is exciting. It's, it's we make movies, we sing songs about love and we we dream about it and then we get into a marriage and then we have our first argument and then all our dreams fall apart <laughs> because all of the fairy tale and they lived happily ever after promises seem to have failed us because well, I don't feel happy right now, you may say, right? Brothers and sisters, I want us to talk about marriage tonight. So I want you to grab your spouse, grab some popcorn, and I want us to get into it. And if you don't have a spouse and you're single, well, then this will be good for you too, in case you do get married or in case you need to ever counsel someone regarding marriage. Um, so we're going to be talking about a bunch of points here, five keys, and then we're going to talk about, uh, have a special segment to talk about conflict resolution. How do we res work through when we have things go wrong? Because that's, that's a big deal, right? So uh, I just want to say while I'm here, the scope of this video here tonight is not going to be about um, what do I do? My wife or my husband is cheating or uh, there's abuse in the marriage. What do we do? Those are things that we're not going to be talking about here tonight. But if you are interested in that, we released a video a while ago talking about, well, it's called When Marriage goes wrong and what to do. And I'll link it up here for you guys in the card here uh, when this video goes up. So um, a marriage is not about surviving. A marriage is not about just not divorcing. A marriage is supposed to be happy, strong. Uh, it's supposed to be a healthy relationship. And I believe that that healthy relationship is something that can be accomplished truly only when we have our first key in place. And that first key is to be satisfied in God first. See, when people before they get people get married, many people in the world today, and even some Christians, they think about love, they think about finding the one and they think about the one to be the person that will give them that happily ever after forever satisfied on top of the world forever. Every puzzle piece has fallen into place in my life feeling. And 
then they enter the marriage and they are still there, right? With oh, they, they've just got the person, they've they've got hitched, right? They got the ring on the finger. And then when that person fails to fulfill the impossible standard, the impossible role that was created, then that person who had those expectations that this person was supposed to make me totally fulfilled and happy, what goes wrong? What's going on? Then they feel failed and they feel like there's something wrong with the person they married. And some people even divorce, going to the next person, divorce again, go to the next person, divorce again, go to the next person. Like that Samaritan woman who was going from man to man to man because she was looking for that satisfaction in a man. But see, this is what I'm, what I'm saying. The key is first key is to be satisfied in God first. Because see, there's also another thing I want to say here is that when you're single, just listen, if you're single, right, and you're listening to me here tonight and you're li and you're trying to focus on God, let me say, be honest with you, it's something that people don't like to talk about or admit is it's easier in many ways to be on far and focused on God than it is to be when you're married. Now, it in some ways, and it's only if you allow it, because see, when you get married, you have a spouse who desires attention, who is going to take up much more time than you've ever had to devote to anyone in your life before because you were single. There was no one else to please but yourself, right? But now you have other people. Then you start having children, right? Who you need to take care of and devote time to. That means that your time with the Lord, there's more competition for that now. And so that means that there has to be more that you do to set time aside for your relationship with God to ensure that that satisfaction, that fulfillment that Yeshua said, I can give you. I am the living water. If you drink of me, you will never go thirsty again. I'm the bread of life, right? I'm the light of the world. All of these things he is to us. But now the question is, when you have a family coming along, right? Does he remain the bread, uh, uh, the bread of life for you? Does he remain the living waters that you you continuously or dependent on. That's very important for us to keep in mind. That shift needs to happen in a way where we keep our eyes focused on God first so that we don't let our spouse become our God. Don't let our family become our God. That our relationship with God is not compromised because, well, I have a family to take care of now. God, sorry, I don't have time for you. That actually is going to let your family down more than anything else you can do in life. So the important thing is to set time aside for your family. Of course, they need you and set time aside for God because that's what your family needs and that's what you need. And then uh, I, I would say lastly on this is that as people need both people, both individuals need a strong, ongoing personal relationship with God. It's one thing to worship God together. It's wonderful. But there has to be still that personal one on one that you have when you are alone with the Lord. And you need to spend that time alone with them in personal prayer, study, etc. Right. OK, let's go on to key number two here tonight, guys. Uh, so the next key is be humble. Be humble. Now, it sounds obvious, I know, but Adam didn't get this because the first argument in the Bible between a husband and a wife was full of an argument full of pride and pride was really the thing behind it all. 
think about it. Adam and Eve, right? In the garden, the fall happens and God comes and he, he, he's, he's like, guys, what, what, what's going on? And Adam, what does he say? Right? Genesis 3, 12. It was the woman you gave me. It was the woman. She's the one who, who did all this. I'm innocent, taking no responsibility for his own mistakes, even though no one was innocent. Not, neither Adam nor Eve was innocent. But Adam shifts blame, doesn't take responsibility. And that's what pride does. It doesn't take responsibility. It shifts blame. to It's always someone else who's wrong. And here's the thing that you need to realize with arguments. When If you ever get in an argument with your spouse, which you will, then if that happens, usually it ends up that both people are wrong in some way. It's usually the case that even though some person is one of them is more wrong than the other, usually we've both made mistakes by the time the night is over. And it's important for us to be able to, yes, we can we can uh, let the other person, they they need to they have responsibility, right, to look at what they did wrong. But we have responsibility to take responsibility for what we've done wrong and apologize as well. Pride doesn't repent. Pride doesn't forgive. Pride considers or, or treats our enemies as enemies, while love treats our enemies as a friend. Now, how much more then should we treat our spouse as a friend? I want to read to you here Matthew 30, uh, Matthew 5, verse 39. He says, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, Yeshua says. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him take your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Okay, so this, let's just be honest, guys. This is a very, we love the passage, but we, we hate the passage. But Yeshua said here, we love it because we know it's true. We know it's loving, but we hate it because it's so difficult and we don't even want to do that when we are actually in a situation where we need to do this. And that's see, he's talking about enemies. He's talking about people who are slapping you, people who are who are stealing from you, right? People who are forcing you to do things. But what about our spouse? What do we do in those situations? How much more should we Turn the other cheek. That means that sometimes it's not worth it to be more concerned with being right than making things right. Because see, look, it's fine, right? When we're right in something, you know, we have our points. That's fine. But sometimes there are hills that aren't worth dying on. And sometimes there are situations where it's not worth having your spouse dig in their heels more and more and more. But for you to be the first one to be humble, to be the first one to say, I will turn my other cheek. And when you do that, the response of the other person typically is, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that you would respond this way. I expected you to receive this the way I would to respond the way I would expect you to respond the way I treat you. You treat me. That's what people uh, expect. But when you treat them in a way different from how they have treated you, it creates a sudden shock, a sudden unexpected factor that makes them stop 
and think about what they are doing and why you are not participating it in it. I want to I just recently with my wife watched a movie called um, Sabina and it was be- it's a beautiful movie someone sent me and it's regarding World War II and some uh, about a uh, husband and a wife who was saving people who are oppressed by or persecuted by the Nazi occupation and there's one scene that is so was so amazing for me in demonstrating all of this where you have a Nazi leader of some sort, right? Who's now being visited by this Jewish Christian. And he doesn't know, the Nazi doesn't know that the this man who's visiting him is a Jew because he's been hiding his Jewish lineage. And then they become friends. And then the man who is Jewish one night just says, what if I told you that I'm a Jew? And you need to understand that this man who is the Nazi, he's been killing Jewish people. He takes pride in it. He's been bragging in front of his Jewish friend about all the Jews he's been killing and so forth. And so obviously when he, when the Nazi hears this, he's taken aback by it, kind of a little bit, doesn't know how to respond, anger, confusion. You're my friend, but I'm angry. I hate Jews, you know, all of this going on. And then the Jewish man says, well, you know what? My wife is in the other room. And the reality is, is that you may be the one who killed her family just recently because her whole family was killed in the camps. And what if I told you I can prove to you God exists right now because the Nazi says God, there's no God. And he says, how can you prove to me God exists? And he says, well, I'm going to go into the other room. I'm going to tell my wife and she will when she hears of it about how you are possibly the one who killed her family just recently. She will not come to you, even look at you with an evil eye, but she will come and serve you food. The Nazi says there's no way there's no way. But the man turns around, he walks into the room where his wife is. And he he wakes his wife. He he tells her there's this man, and I believe that he may have been responsible for killing her family. The wife gets out of bed, walks up to the man, and she says, "My savior has taught me to love those who have wronged me," and she gives him a hug, causing the Nazi man to break down in tears, not understanding the forgiveness, the mercy, the grace that's been afforded to him in this moment. After giving him a hug, she goes to the kitchen and starts making him a meal. This is the power of the love of Christ that we turn the other cheek. Now, your spouse, hopefully, is not like a Nazi who killed your family. But yet, sometimes we even have difficulty loving them in this way, don't we? And what does that really say? Let's just be honest. Let's just take a step back here for a second with introspection. What does that really say about how much we are acting like Christ in our families around our spouses? Just something to think about, guys, because Christ said, I want you to be a model of how I love the church and how my body loves me, my people. Right. Let's go on to number three. So the key number three is have grace and kindness with one another. Treat 
the other person as you wish to be treated. Right? So here's the thing. If you've been married for any good amount of time, you, you will realize or not just be if you, you may don't even need to be married, any kind of friendship relationships with people, you'll realize that one thing is for sure is that they will let you down at some point and you will let them down at another point. People make mistakes, right? And it's so important for us to realize that, yes, that's a reality, but we must offer grace on people when they do that. We must have grace on them when they irritate us, when they have things, whether innocent or more non-innocent, the things that they do that are irritations, right? And even if though we have bad, if we have bad days or if they have bad days or external factors at play, that doesn't give them the right to take that out on us. But when they do, it's still important for us to have grace. When they do, it's still important for us to meet them where they're at. And yes, there's a, it's, it's good to have that conversation afterwards, right? If we're, be, if, if we're being treated with unkindness, it's important for us to raise that. Communication is everything, right? But when you're being treated with that, that uh, unkind character, right? Don't respond. Don't be tempted by the devil to respond with the same character. That's really what is key, because that's really what diffuses a situation. Right. Um, number four, key number four, remain thankful always. The grass is not greener on the other side, right? Remember your blessings. It's always easy, right? To when you're, especially when you're, you know, you're living with your spouse, you're around them all the time, day in, day out for years and years on end. It's easy to start taking them for granted. It's easy to start being like, yeah, you're around. Yeah, you make me food. Yeah, you do the dishes. Yeah, you help clean the bathtub and whatever else you're or yeah, you work at you work hard at your work to provide for our family. Yeah, you do good with the children. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's so easy for us to start falling into that over time. In the beginning, we're all in the honeymoon stage, all lovey dovey, yay, yay, yay. But then we get used to one another, right? And as we get as people get used to one another, it's easy for them to to lose that perspective of thankfulness of what who God has given them. And so it's very important to to actively thank your spouse for the things that they do, even if it's the mundane everyday things, because people make if they're making sacrifices for you as you make sacrifices for them. And that recognizing that is not just for them, but it's for yourself to be reminded of what you have, just like we have to do this with with everything that God provides us. We thank him to keep the perspective true, because when we take people for granted, it's easy for us to look to other places and, and look at, at the, the good in other people's marriages or how other people have and we covet what they have. But we don't see the struggles they have because we only see what when we look at someone else, we only see what they post on Facebook. We only see what they put up and we all put up a everything as well kind of face, don't we? But when the behind the doors, people have struggles and people will have have fought oftentimes for where they are in their marriages. It didn't come from nothing. It didn't come at no expense. But we don't see 
that trial and that journey, we just see what they have. And it's easy to cover that without recognizing the journey. And, and then we despise the journey that we are on as we're on that journey to freedom, that journey to uh, a, a, a better marriage, if you feel unsatisfied right now. The key is, though, is to still be thankful no matter where you're at in your marriage with who God has given you, because ultimately God has entrusted you to be the spouse of this other person and has thought of you as being someone who could bring edification in this person's spiritual life to ultimately because ultimately we're all going to stand before God alone. But yet God entrusted you to be alongside someone in this short time on earth we have in a way that will edify them so that when they stand before God one day alone, you will have contributed positively to that person's standing with God, that person's blessings, that person's who they, who they, who they've become. Right. So we have to take that very seriously, not just in terms of what we can get out of a marriage. Right. But what what are we adding to our spouse. All right, guys, I hope this is blessing you guys. Thank you so much for joining me live here tonight. Uh, I'm going to go on to the next one here. Um, cool. Number five, communicate your love. Well, okay. And this one is so, so big. All right. So we're here at our last key and then we're going to get into like the, 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 the conflict resolution stuff. So the last key I want to just talk about here shortly is communicate your love well. Now, this is like bilateral in terms of what we must understand is that love is supposed to be a selfless act, a selfless thing. And we need to communicate love to our spouse in a way that they can receive. There are some people who are who just love to receive gifts. There are other people who just love to hear how much you love them in words. Some people absolutely do not care about gifts. They absolutely do not even care to really hear. I mean, it's nice to hear it now and then, but some people don't really care about hearing it every day or often, you know, uh, there, there, there are people. My point is just people experience love in different ways. And many of you will know this is the love languages. You can think about it that way. That's fine. The point is just Love is experienced in different ways by people. And what's key is that you understand that loving someone is not just about loving them the way that you want to love them. It's about loving them in a way that they can receive. I may feel like, oh, I, I love getting gifts, for example. Personally, not really. It's not for me a big deal, but let's just say, right? I, I love I love giving gifts, getting gifts. So therefore, my wife must do love the same. And that's how I will show my love to her always. And I will not love her in, in no matter, regardless of whether she actually also deserves to be loved in this other way, which I've been neglecting. You know, that would be an issue. So we have to be like, I mean, it's really, I think it's, this is, there's balance, right? We give gifts. We, we tell them we love them. We do things for them. There's all these things that we have to hit on. Don't get me wrong here, but don't neglect the very thing that they adore most. Let them receive that love because that's what's going to touch their heart most. That's what's going to 
allow you to, to show that love most. When Christ came to you, he showed you love in a way that you could receive. There are many ways that people can be loved. He knows you. And when he came to you, he showed up in your life in a way that you would be like, wow, God, this is you. But in someone else's life, he showed up in a different way. You see, God recognizes our quote unquote love language of how we could receive love or how we could receive him. And that's how he treats us and approaches us. How much more the same manner do we do that with our spouse? Okay, that's so key. And this is an ongoing work. Ongoing people even shift in how they may desire that. And that's why communication, not just about not just communicating this love, but communicating to the other person about how you desire to be loved is important. So you you say, hey, honey, if, 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 if your if your spouse is doing something wrong. And ladies, I guess not only ladies, but ladies sometimes struggle with this. Remember that men can't read your mind. Right. Men, men are actually absolutely terrible at that, usually. You know, usually I'm certainly not good at that. I can't speak for everyone, but but, you know, so ladies communicate to your husbands who are struggling to love you the way you desire to be loved. Tell them how you desire to be loved. And man goes both ways, of course, vice versa. So remember to do remember to do that. OK, so I want to talk a little bit about. Heated conversations uh, arguments, conflict, when things get a little, eh, you know, we have those days and marriages and, you know, this is, I want to back and back to really a cultural phenomenon we're living in right now and have been for a while. Uh, girls often grow up watching and boys, of course, but girls often grow up watching fairy tale Disney movies and each and every one ends with and they lived happily ever after the end. And and yes, that's a great ending, but it leaves out the obvious reality of like two or three days later. They're just like, honey, why aren't you doing the dishes the way I asked? Honey, why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing this? And and the, the things that we get into with our spouses. See, the reality is, is that a healthy marriage, get this, guys, a healthy marriage has disagreements sometimes and maybe even a, a argument, a, a talk that is a bit more passionate. And I'm not talking about throwing each other with things and full on fights. I'm not talking about that, but I desire a wife who can disagree with me. I desire a wife personally, at least who can tell me when I'm wrong about something, when I'm getting in trouble, because ultimately I don't want a yes, yes, man, wife and wives. You don't want a yes, man, husband who just says, yes, yes, yes. Whatever you, whatever makes you happy, whatever goes, goes. It's OK. It doesn't matter. I don't really care. You don't want a doormat, right? We, we want someone who is going to tell us when there's something on our face, something wrong. 
And that means sometimes those are harder conversations because it means that they will sometimes point out something that you want, don't want anyone to point out in your life that you do, that you've been hoping no one really sees, or maybe you don't even fully recognize it, but they'll be the one to come and poke at it because someone needs to. And that's why God gave us our, one reason at least, why God gave us our, our spouse. And so this, we don't live in a Disney fairy tale where there is no arguments ever. We will have them and that is normal. I will submit to you that it is not normal and that something is wrong if you never disagree, if you never have an argument, if you never have a uh, whatever you want to call it, a discussion that is a little bit more passionate. And again, disclaimer, I'm not talking about fighting because there is a difference. And so... Um, the other issue that can come in is that people are too, the reason they don't participate, they avoid any kind of confrontation. They're too scared about confrontation. They're too scared about uh, talking about things that may get a little bit more like uncomfortable or awkward, or they're actually just plain scared of their spouse. These are all red flags that cannot be ignored because you can think, well, we're not fighting. Or we're not ever arguing. We're never even we're never having a deep discussion. We're never having any awkwardness. So everything must be fine. That actually probably means your marriage is going to fall apart in the long term, because what it means is all of the underlying little things are building, 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 never being addressed. And one day they all topple over and your marriage and you look to each other and you're like, what happened is because you see divorce papers on the table and you wonder why, because you thought everything was perfectly fine. But because you never actually had communication in the areas where it's even uncomfortable to communicate in, these things were all there, but you never talked about them and you just actually ignored them or you never brought them up. So my point is just that it is very, very, very integral to every marriage to have talks even those talks that we don't always want to have, those uncomfortable moments. But these are supposed to be talks that are productive, not just fighting, not just throwing, calling each other names. Not, we're not talking about, about putting each other down. We're not talking about attacking, seeing your spouse as your opponent. Uh, all of these things that can happen. See, that's the moment the price starts creeping in. We're talking about getting to a place where both can talk and not fight. There is a difference. And so it's important that when people start running into a fight to really just take a step and be like, OK, maybe we should just go into the other room for a moment. Maybe we should just be away if so if, if we're in a moment where our emotions are running away one of us was we're, are we're getting too angry we're getting out of hand in our emotions and we don't want to do any sin from the emotion because see the bible says something interesting it says in ephesians 4 26 be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger so it says be angry because anger there's not nothing. There's nothing wrong with the emotion of anger. God gave us that. God, Yeshua, 
was angry at, at times. God was angry at times. Anger is a God-given emotion. Rage, uncontrollable rage is not. But now when we make decisions out of anger, it, we are at risk of making rash decisions, saying things we don't mean and sinning ultimately. And that's why he says, be angry, but do not sin. In other words, have your anger, experience it, express it in a way that is healthy. If that's in private and that's the way it has to be done, then do that. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's wrong to bottle up anger, but do not sin in it. And then as he says, and this is, this is huge, right? Do not let the sun go down on your anger, on your anger. Do not go to bed angry. See this for this is hard because now it's forcing us to do a couple of things. It forces us to resolve things relatively quickly. In other words, you can't go a week without talking to one another because someone didn't do the dishes or or even if there's something bigger than that. Right. Uh, when we're talking about the usual things that people argue about, you don't love me right. I you you weren't there for me in this way. Whatever the case is, ultimately, we don't want to be extending things out, making it uh, stretching it out over time, long durations of time. We shouldn't let the sun go down on our anger. And so obviously this is not always possible, but do your absolute best from both sides. This needs to come to if someone is angry to that day, fix whatever is going on to talk about it to to ask for forgiveness from both sides were needed to repent to one another, to decide where you will take action steps. In other words, you say, I need to we you need to do this. I need to do that because we you did this wrong. I did that wrong. And usually, like we've said, both people have done something wrong. And so these things happen. And that's how we hopefully really have to try and go to bed so that the next day we don't get up early. We don't want to get up as opponents. We don't want to get up as this is my enemy. I just woke up next to. No, you fix things quickly. You're quick to forgive and you move on because if we're fighting one another, how can we fight the devil? If we're fighting one another, how can we fight the devil in unity? How can we fight his temptations? How can we fight the things that he's bringing us if we are in disunity with one another? If our houses are in disarray, will the enemy not try and have a field day there? Do you not think that he has a plan that he is trying to do that? He's trying to get in the way of your ministry together, the way of the thing, whatever God is doing in your life. Of course. So be cognizant of that and work together, not against one another, right? Because ultimately our relationship with our spouse is about worshiping God more than anything. It's about building his kingdom more than anything. Marriage is about that. That's the design of marriage. It's about worship to God. And so that has to be our motivation above all. Yes, I love my wife. Yes, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do things for her. My responsibility, firstly, though, is towards God. And because it's firstly towards God, that means that I will from there treat my wife the way that I ought to treat her because I know what my father expects of me. All right. Amen. Praise God. So 
where were we? Let's have a look. Um, yeah, okay. So um, let me just see where I picked up. Okay. I read, don't let the sun go down in your anger, right? The other thing that we need to do is don't punish each other. And in so in conflicts or, you know, situations of debates or whatever between spouses, it's tempting for, sp for them to sometimes punish the other person. Like if you're angry at the other, and, and this is, again, another reason why you shouldn't let things linger and not fix them and not communicate and talk things through. Be humble, be kind, be patient about it. Listen before you speak. As we do this and resolve things, that's important because otherwise we go away and we're just angry. We don't want to deal with it. We refuse because of our pride. And maybe you just need time away to think. That's fine. That's something else, right? But after you've had your time to think and process your emotions and what you want to say, you need to come together and fix things, right? And But if that is avoided, right? You just, you just don't want to go there. What sometimes happens is that anger causes us to want to punish the other person. For example, um, we would say we sometimes you have spouses forsaking their du their duties in marriage in terms of uh, whatever that is for the husband or the wife. The wife maybe does this for the kids. The husband maybe does that in the house. Whatever the, our du household duties are, we start forsaking them. We f we start doing not do not making the food not being there for our wife and the way we should have been whatever it is because we're trying to punish the person we're trying to say i don't like you and well look how you do without me and oh we're doing these things or what about um things like the silent treatment right this is something that can happen both in men and women i know in, in women it happens uh, I don't know if it happens more often, but I know that I've, from speaking with men, I've heard this often, that women sometimes go to resolve to this silent treatment, not speaking to their husband for a long period of time so that he can feel what it's like when I don't talk to him and if I ignore his existence, right? That's not godly action, guys. It's just not. It's just not what Christ would do. Or going to other people to gossip, to rant about your husband or to rant about your wife. Tearing them down before other people, uh, causing destruction on their image. Right. These are very destructive things that we can fall into because of our anger. OK. Um, and men, I mean, of course, this can go both ways. But something I would say to men as well that men can sometimes fall into is be careful of being stubborn in in your relationship with your wife, where you set, you think of it as I have said what I wanted to say. It's my way or the highway. You don't like it. Well, I'm the leader. You need to submit to me. Watch out for that ungodliness. Watch out for that ungodliness, man. That you're you're use, abusing your role as priest of your home and authority that God has given to cause to to force and manipulate your wife into submitting to whatever you want instead of the fact that well husbands submit to your wives is also written in the bible see it goes both ways your wife is not there to just 
worship you, husband. Your wife is there to also point out what's wrong and you must listen to her. It's a God given duty. So we have this, all these things that we, we can fight when we are in anger and unresolved conflict. And these are things that we have to guard against because the enemy is out to destroy relationships. He wants to use you when you're angry against your wife, against your husband. And these things are what we must be awake from and of. And how will we be awake to see that? Well, it goes back to key number one, your relationship with God, to be satisfied in God, to spend time with God, to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. That The only way you're going to know that is by being with the Lord. Because when you're with the Lord and you see the enemy show up in your life, you're like, this is not God. You have to have a discernment that, that kicks in like that when you smell something is off. That's what is needed, husbands and wives. And when that, that, that unity of relationship with God is there from both sides, you will have a great marriage. You will have a wonderful, blessed marriage where, yes, there will be hard times. Come on, it's true, all right? But, but it will be such a blessing You will be a blessing to one another. You'll be a blessing to God's kingdom. You will be a blessing to other people. You'll be a blessing to your children. You'll be a blessing together. But if your relationship with God struggles, if you start acting like Satan to one another, well, you won't be a blessing, not to your children, not to people around you. You will cause destruction, not just to one another. So I think we all know of this, but let's keep our eyes on the fact that Man, it is possible to have a marriage that is blessed. That is how God designed it. Uh, And it's not about just surviving. God designed it to be a blessing. He designed it to be prosperous. He designed it to be loving. He designed it for you to be a place where you can experience love like in few other areas of your life. That's what the marriage covenant is supposed to be. And it is attainable that what I'm talking about. So for anyone who's listening here, who's been saying, you know, feeling like my marriage has from the beginning been hard and I didn't know even what I was giving myself into. Just keep your eyes on the father. Keep your eyes on the father. Uh, He can restore all things. Pray for your spouse. The power of prayer is extremely powerful. And hey, let them watch this video if that's possible. And talk about some of the points that I'm bringing up here tonight and do introspection. Man, that'll that'll probably be a hard might be a hard moment for both of you, but that humility will take you so far and that will heal wounds, relationships and make you just better all around people, even as individuals. All right. And so another thing that I would like to just say regarding um, conflict and when we're in that situation is um, be quick to forgive and don't bring up the past. So if every time you have an argument, you go and you bring up the past, you talk about what happened a year ago, what happened six months ago. It's it's one thing to sit down and say, hey, honey, I see a pattern. This has happened. This has happened. This has happened. This has happened. And I wonder what's going on. Okay, that's that's one thing. But if when you get in an argument, you bring up the past of what they've done wrong to bolster your argument of some sort, Right. That's not healthy. We want that means that you have not dealt with what's in the past. That means that you actually were 
you failed to be quick to forgive if you bring up things that you are still bitter from that happened in the past. And that is not just an issue on the your husband or wife's side, but it's an issue on your heart because God, Yeshua commanded us to forgive. We don't have the right to hold unforgiveness as believers. I'm sorry, we just don't. There's no place for that in your heart because it will put no one but yourself in deep bondage. And so when we uh, are quick to forgive, well, we won't think about what what you or what your spouse did six months ago because we've forgiven. We won't bring it up out of bitterness. Right? So that is very important, that forgiveness that we give them. Man, you're going to have to forgive your spouse more than probably anyone else in life. <laughs> that's just that's just how it is because because of how close that relationship is, that means that there will be things to work through. There will be situations where they may let you, have let you down and they will let you down again maybe. So that is there, but it means that there's still there's then greater growth and greater intimacy than ever before as we work through those things. And of course, yeah, like I just mentioned, I would just say last on last on forgiveness is that a lack of forgiveness really reveals a lack of revelation of the cross. Because you you fail to then realize how much Christ has forgiven you, that he's forgiven you over and over and over way more than you have, will ever need to forgive a spouse or anyone else in life. And that forgiveness is our responsibility to also extend towards people as he's forgiven us of our deep and dark sins, even the secret ones. Okay. So uh, the last thing, guys, I just want to say on, on this section here is when we are in a situation where we are actually facing great difficulty, where in our marriage, you know, the same issue is coming up again and again, and this is a, this is a substantial issue, right? It can be easy for us to go to a parent or um, like a mom or a dad, right? And while that there's nothing wrong with going to parents about for advice, even marriage advice or how to be a better husband or wife or about, you know, whatever. What we have to watch out for is the long term going to say a mom or a dad about your spouse. And just because remember, here's the deal is their family. And if the only thing that they ever hear about your spouse is how bad they are, how they have been mean to their daughter or son, how they have been, whatever. They don't then see the resolution of that conflict. They don't see when you actually two days later went to your spouse and finally fixed things and talked things through. They don't see any of that. So then the next time they see again, the they hear about everything that the other person is doing wrong. So this perception of their son or daughter-in-law becomes colored and that creates a can create a bitterness, that can create a hostility, that can create hurt and even that relationship. So there's nothing wrong with going for guidance over an issue once in a while, okay? But it's wrong to go to rant to your parents about your spouse. It's wrong to go and gossip to them. And it's, in my opinion, better when you have an actual issue that needs to be addressed, that you're, if you find yourself, you want to talk to someone often about your spouse and you need 
it's probably better to find a spiritual leader of some sort, whether that's a, someone who is a counselor who can apply the Bible uh, or someone who is a, a pastor, a spiritual leader of sort who can do marriage counseling, whether your husband is or wife is with you or not. It's better to talk to someone who doesn't have that direct relationship like a family member. It's just better for family ties and family relationships because you don't want to turn your whole family against your spouse when you're actually just in those moments angry when you've been going to them about your spouse, creating a perception that's not accurate about your spouse. Okay, so I'm not just don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying it's wrong to talk to your family about things you need to. And and if there are real issues that need to get them involved for some reason, and I'm, I'm talking like real issues. Sure, that's fine. Okay, we're I'm not talking here. We're tonight not really talking about things like physical abuse or deep abuses. We are talking about the typical things that uh, couples face day to day. So if you're facing deep abuses of some sort, then you need to speak up and you need to seek help. And if you need to be safe, you need to seek safety. Okay, so please don't take my advice. That's regarding smaller issues and apply it to issues where actual safety needs to be sought uh, of some sort. Okay. So, brothers and sisters, I, my heart is, my desire is for all of you who are listening here tonight to have marriages that are built upon the rock. The rock is Yeshua. And Ultimately, for those of us who feel like, well, how do I do that if my spouse is not even on board on the same page? Paul wrote and he said, if your husband or wife is not even a believer, then don't leave them because of that. But pray for them because they are sanctified because of your belief and your children are sanctified because of your belief and your faith. And God sees that he sees the situation and you need to be steadfast and lifting them up and asking the Lord to intervene. He is powerful and mighty to save people, marriages, and he desires that. But I know that that can be a terribly difficult trial. So I just want to encourage you that there is hope, there is freedom. Uh, I have witnessed the restoration of relationships that that the world will say, oh, you should just give up. You know, we should just, you know, I've seen that in people how God can do that. And so please do not give up just because for, for no good reason in terms of, well, you know, they're not a believer. Stick with them. You need to love them as Christ loves the church. And Yeshua loved you even when you weren't fully on board with who he was yet, even when you weren't fully kind to him yet. And so in the same way, we have to love our spouses. And that's perhaps one of the hardest callings and most difficult situations that we could face. But that is certainly a situation that can yield great fruit and freedom and um, and well, freedom for not just you, but the person who you actually love, who is your spouse. So I'm going to pray for everyone here tonight who's listening, who is facing not only extreme difficulties, but, you know, for all of us to just be better at loving or husbands and wives. And so, hey, I want you to 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 pray with me. And I want you to if you're with your spouse watching this tonight or in the future to just 
really sit down for a while, maybe at some point, make some time and talk about how you guys can be better to one another, how you can be better in your conflicts, how you can be better in your love of showing that and the other points that we've talked about here tonight. So, Father, we just speak right now, Lord, I speak a life over every marriage who's represented here tonight, Lord, every person who's listening, who's in a marriage. Father, I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to come into those relationships and bring healing and freedom. Lord, I thank you for your mercy to to be in those places where there's a spouse of a hard heart. Lord, I pray for every spouse of a hard, hardened heart against you or against their spouse. And Father, I pray that you would give them freedom and mercy. From that, I pray for humility to be upon them. I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, all of our spouses who've dug in their heels over situations and things, that you would just soften their hearts, Lord. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would encounter our spouses who aren't who aren't in their relationships with you where they're supposed to be. Father, I pray that you would visit them in the way that they can receive whatever that way is, Lord, that they need most to encounter you, Lord. We pray for you to visit them in that way, for them to bow their knee to you so they can they can humble themselves in this marriage as we all must be humbled. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, for your spirit, Lord, to be the one who guides, who speaks and who decides in our marriages and who is in the midst of even when we have a conflict, when we have an argument, when we have a disagreement of some sort. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, that there would be uh, just your peace and freedom in those areas like never before. I pray that you would give soundness of mind to your people so that when they are in those situations, that they would not respond out of anger and make and, and sin, but help them to have a sound mind, forgive and talk and be able to work through whatever they are facing. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have come for us. Lord, I thank you that you have uh, not abandoned us. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that you have loved us so deeply, so greatly that you would even die for us. Lord, I pray that you would give that love that you have for us, for our and us to have that for our spouses, that we would die for them. We would do whatever it is, Lord, that we need to do for them. Help us to be sacrificial in our actions and lives towards our families and help us, Lord, to love you more. We thank you, God, for all you do in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining me here tonight. I hope this has blessed you. Hey, please share this video with any spouse, any uh, with your spouse, with any married couples or single groups, people who need to look at how they can be better at their relationships. And ultimately, please go sit down with your spouse and look through how you can apply some of these things. Many, many blessings and shalom. Uh, I want to just say one more thing on Rise on Fire. Uh, we are, me and Christina, we're about to uh, have an exciting trip to, if God wills, to South Africa. Uh, visit my family and have an amazing just time away and we can do some ministry we're gonna do some amazing things back in my home country um, so the live stream is going to be put on hold for just a few uh, weeks as uh, we're gonna be there and probably not gonna have good internet but the videos are still gonna be going up every week as usual so I just want to let you guys know about that thank you for praying for us for the ministry 
as we go ahead with this. I'm so excited to come back when we're back in the US after all this is over because uh, we have some amazing things planned in terms of events, in terms of equipping people. Uh, I can't share too much about that yet, but we're going to be sharing about that uh, in the coming time here soon. So thank you guys for your support. Please uh, pray for us and thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for blessing us in all the ways you have been a blessing. And if you want to find out how you can partner with us, you can go to riseonfire.com. Many blessings and shalom.